Welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast created to enlighten, inspire, and inform those who work in or depend on the world's most important endeavor, agriculture. Here's your host, Damian Mason. The Business of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by the Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for Milk. Did you know cow's milk contains nine essential nutrients, including vitamin A, which helps maintain a healthy immune system? Greetings. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Business of Agriculture a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason. Got a great show for you today because I've got him, Rob Syke, friend of show. This is like third appearance here on the Business of Agriculture. But first time with the new backdrop. First time with the new backdrop. And if you are not watching but listening, I'm telling you, tune in because the Business of Agriculture is obviously an audio podcast where you get your audios. It's on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, all those places. But it's also on the Damian Mason channel on YouTube. So if you would like to send the video to your non-ag friends, you go to the Damian Mason channel on YouTube, you just grab this video or the whole entire playlist known as the Business of Agriculture and send it on. You can also see my other playlists. Uh, for instance, I've got Agricultural Commentary. I've got the business, uh, the Do Business Better podcast. I've got so much stuff there. Please go check it out. And Damien has got a face made for radio. All right. Thank you very much. Now, Rob and I are going to talk about today, I'm supposed to be able to introduce the topic and he interrupted me. Today we're talking about hand handheld technology, hypocrisy as it relates to agriculture, and the future. And we're even going to talk about some things that we're learning from the whole COVID experience in the business of agriculture. Lots and lots of ground to cover. But before we get into that with Rob Syke, friend of show, I want to remind you that this episode, like so many before it, is brought to you by Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution for your agricultural enterprise. You know, these guys got millions and millions of dollars of capital at risk Mm -hmm. out here. Why don't they run their business as efficiently and profitably as they can? Because sometimes they don't have the proper software. Harvest Profit is that software. So you know what? Go there. Nick Horb founded the company. He's got customers in like 26 states and four provinces. HarvestProfit.com. All right, Rob Syke. We're going to be talking about handheld technology, the company called AgVisor Pro, which is your, your new offering and how it's bringing so much technology, shortening time and distance. Uh, and making information available to those in agriculture on an instantaneous basis. We're going to talk about uh, hypocrisy, as you and I often do, because we are pro-modern ag people. We see objections to pro-modern modern agriculture, but then the folks have so much of a um, desire to embrace other areas of technology. We're going to talk about the future as we see all these things in confluence, if mm-hmm. you will, kind of like you cover in your book, Food 5.0. But before we get into that... You had a big stage, a world stage. You went to Rome or were scheduled to go to Rome on behalf of uh, to talk to the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization. It turns out you couldn't go because of the COVID, but you still gave an address to those people. Let's start there. Well, uh, yeah. So the year that I get to address the UN and FAO through the uh, Committee for World Food Security, the conference is in Rome instead of addressing the conference from rome i addressed it from home (laughs) anyways it was a three-day conference and there was uh, thousands of people that had attended the virtual conference and it was about global food security a very very serious topic and we had all sorts of people ambassadors Uh, i was on a panel with the agriculture minister from germany and uh, united arab emirates and peru it was a really wide-ranging and global type of uh, uh, attendee 
uh, one of the people that I followed quite closely during the conference, him and I had several conversations, uh, kind of back channeling, was uh, your ambassador to Rome for America, Kip Tom. So him and I talked, uh, and I got a chance to address uh, the conference on the, the third day, and I was one of only three private citizens to be able to address that conference. By the way, Kip Tom Farm is about uh, two counties away from me, so I'm familiar. And, yeah, I knew he was in Rome uh, working with the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. So what was your point? They were there talking about food security. Uh, something tragic uh, that I saw, uh, about 114 million more humans on Earth were cast into extreme poverty because of the economic shutdowns in developed countries. A lot of people don't realize, and you and I both do, how economics works. You shut down things in the most affluent country. The trickle down negatively for the most downtrodden and poorest among us is very, very devastating. So we got people now that are food insecure that actually were making a climb away from that sort of a lifestyle just as recently as uh, one year ago. Right. Well, a lot of the uh, food that moves into emerging, I call them emerging nations, and a lot of the uh, supplies that are necessary for farmers in emerging nations come from developed nations. You choke those supply routes, and it's not about whether or not there's enough food. It's really a question that always comes up, really one around uh, distribution. And so even right now, as we speak right now, that a new variety, a new uh, strain of of COVID nineteen that's been uh, um, discovered in UK uh, creates a, a a bottleneck because no food is going into the UK right now. And they're discussing the same deal. So even developed nations can suffer from food shortages when things yeah. shut down. Yeah. Yeah, so we got a disruption going on there. What was your message to the people? They gave you an hour? What, they gave you 45 minutes? No, I had two three-minute segments. Uh, okay, you had six minutes to yeah. tell the Food and Agriculture Organization and the thousands of people that were sitting in their offices all over the world listening. Um, what? What was your message? Well, my message was, as I sat there, and again, I was there on the third day of the conference, and I listened to all sorts of ideology and philosophy. And uh, you could almost call it religion, mm -hmm. uh, because people are talking about... Uh, and I got no no problem with with moving agriculture forward. But when you start throwing around the terms regenerative and agro, uh, agroecology or natural farming or n nature farming, and you start throwing them around as panaceas, it'll just solve the problem of global food security. Mm -hmm. And you just throw them around uh, willy-nilly through the course of the three days uh, without a real understanding or grappling uh, of, of how that impacts science on the farm. I got a real problem with that. Mm -hmm. I really do. So I, I shared with the audience uh, two examples, uh, and then I used a technology example to close, but two examples of, uh, of how we should address some of the issues. So when we get into discussion, Damien, about world food security, um, um, food waste always comes up, right? Food waste. Yep. So people say, well, we, we don't need to grow more food. We just need to waste less. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I agree with that. So what, what would be the number one food waster on the planet Earth? Well, it happens to be mycotoxins. Mycotoxins like aflatoxins that destroy crops in the field, destroy yeah. crops in storage, and when you feed mycotoxin, aflatoxin-infected crops to livestock uh -huh. or human beings, they get sick. In fact, uh, Uganda, where I have a farming operation in Uganda, uh, the number one cause of liver cancer in on the planet Earth is aflatoxin, and Uganda is the number one country in the world for liver cancer. So how does that all... So that that's the first thing I did. By the way, 
721, Monica. We're going to bring his volume down a little bit because I think we're picking up reverberation. So we're going to edit out just about 10 seconds right here. Just bring it down just a little bit because remember, it's such a tight box in here. I sure. think we're getting it Okay, so ready? Three, two, one. Okay, so there you are, Rob. Your your first thing kind of goes against the grain. You know, I'm not against organic. I'm not against regenerative. I believe that we're going to continue to use some of the uh, lessons learned from uh, all of the applications and create a better agriculture. But I agree with you. When non-agricultural people toss out terms that feel good, that sell in the suburbs, the more affluent suburbs of Paris love words like that. But again, they're not starving. They're not in, uh, you know, a third world country that is uh, living very hand to mouth on 58 cents per day so you kind of already pissed him off you said yeah those are all neat terms but here's the reality you you want to talk about food waste it's not what you think you think it's because uh, a restaurant put too big of a portion on a plate now there is that yeah. but as you pointed out that's not that didn't hold a scale to i thought you were going to say the biggest food waste transportation loss yeah. uh, and lack of infrastructure because no, there's that as well it's, yeah it's, but it's right in the field right aflatoxin my, mycotoxins and there's a whole variety of mycotoxins the, the second thing i talked about was was food density or or food uh the healthiness of food the healthfulness of food a lot of people talk that we grow empty calories well i have an argument with that but uh but the fact of the matter is uh, i've been all around the world i've done a lot of soil testing in kenya uganda nigeria and if the soil is deficient in zinc, yep. your crops will be stunted, uh-huh. your livestock will be stunted, and your human beings will be stunted. And no philosophy and no ideology will solve a zinc deficiency in the soil. The only way to address zinc deficiency in soil is to put more zinc in the soil. And so I watch as, as uh, activists and NGOs talk about how agroecology is the way to save Africa is simply nonsense. The way to save Africa, the way to save agriculture, make agriculture infinitely sustainable is through the application of sound science that address the localized issues of agriculture because there is no silver bullet. In my book, do, uh, my book uh, Food Fear, which is about the business of agriculture, I point out in one of the chapters, so dear listener, if you've not read or listened to my book, I encourage you to go to davidmason.com and pick it up because Rob even has a quote referencing and recommending the book, but I talk about that very thing. Well-intentioned people that tend to bend a certain way politically believe that we're going to save Africa and we should also change the way we do things in North America if we just did more like the ancient tribes did. And I'm like, we're going to mimic a country that's been food insecure for several hundred years by their agricultural practices. And then worse yet, you're going to send a bunch of these well-intentioned idiots over there that have never produced one calorie of food, but have a environmentalist bend or an animal rights bend or a political bend. And they're going to say, well, we just need to not bring that evil industrial agriculture to Africa. We need to do things the old fashioned way. Like, and you're going to not have, you're going to have zinc deficiency. And, and that, and that was the point I made in, my address to the the UNFAO was I do not understand why North American agriculture is being vilified. It was vilified in that con- in that conference steadily. Why it's being vilified? Because you and I know lots of farm families that have been farming that land for 100, 150, 200 years. If that's not the example of sustainability, I don't know what the hell is. Yeah. Well, we get vilified because we're st- we're very very good at it. You know, it's the old thing. We're very very good at it. And um, if you are a person that is 
is involved in the UN or the FAO, they have a political axe to grind. It's it's a it's some it's sort of a wealth distribu- redistribution uh, plan, really. Well, this this week, uh, uh, the BioLines for Science put out uh, a release from Ghana from the Ghana uh, uh, agricultural minister, and he says that agroecology implemented in Ghana will drive the production of food in Ghana backwards. They used to be 5 million people. They're now 34 million people. You think you're going to feed the population of tomorrow on the technology of yesterday? Bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah. Just bizarre. Yeah. Africa, before it gets screwed up by a bunch of well-intentioned uh, feel-good people, needs to be able to go through its own revolution as we did. If there was, if they want to have organic food and, and all those sorts of things in Africa, that's fine. Let it get to where it actually has adequate production and law. Well, as an option, but not yeah. as the yeah. panacea, because yes. that dog don't hunt. There you go. So... Um, what else did you tell them besides uh, besides disagreeing with them? Well, the other thing I mentioned was they kept talking about the Nobel Peace Prize that was awarded to the uh, World Health Organization, not the World Health, uh, World Food Organization that was addressing poverty on the planet. But the same the same week, uh, two female scientists, first time in history, mm-hmm. two female scientists have got the award for science for their biotechnology. Never once was that mentioned. It was it was world uh, it was world women's in agriculture day and not once did they mention the two female scientists from yeah. stanford university that got their their nobel prize uh-huh. for the work on CRISPR technology you can bet dollars to donuts uh-huh. that as we begin to take covid vaccines all the non-gmoers will be lining up and telling everybody you better take that vaccine okay now wait a minute we're getting we're getting right there he did a great job he brought you from our discussion on what he's been doing to i told you the title of this program was it's handheld technology it's hypocrisy and it's the future we just talked about the future we also talked about the past we've got an issue where it really brings all this together it is hypocrisy that affluent people that involve themselves in the FAO of the United Nations then decide that they know better. And they also have a political axe to grind. They didn't recognize two women scientists from Stanford University because they were American and because they also were working on something that those folks don't the like. The Nobel Prize was yeah. given out by Nobel, the Nobel uh, organization, yeah. which is based in Europe, yeah. was given to two female scientists yeah. for their work in genetic engineering, which is not recognized as a science in Europe. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, UN, and the UN just can't stand it because this isn't the story they want to tell. Remember, the story the UN wants to tell is that we're going to have 17 billion people on Earth, which is not true. We're going to barely hit 9 billion. Um, that we're going to all starve, and the best thing we can all do is transfer our wealth from uh, places like Canada the United States to uh, the United Nations, let them redistribute, and then also let them screw up our farming practices and make it so we all starve. Well, I think, you know, there's some good, there's some a lot of well-meaning people in the UN, FAO, and all sorts of these organizations. But what I tried to bring in my address was grind, you know, grounding that down uh, with some practicality based on agronomic truth. I didn't make up the stuff about mycotoxin and zinc. Well, let's go back to then the hypocrisy because we see this a lot. Um, you're talking about a global organization that has a lot of sway. I don't think they should, but they do. And the people that are in, are able to be UN ambassadors are not from uh, starving backgrounds. So then they, the UN ambassador from Paris decides that, that she thinks or he thinks that we should only ever have um, organic food or that CRISPR technology should be banned and whatnot. 
Well, that's easy for that person to say, talk about hypocrisy. They're a wealthy person that's never been without food, and the death sentence that they are basically putting onto the developing and third world is significant. You're talking about millions of people that are going to be harmed by their sort of arrogance and hypocrisy. Well, I, again, I, I kind of did a segue into this whole area, but when you, when you condemn genetic engineering and you condemn the ability of farmers to grow um, BT uh, eggplant or BT cowpeas, which are resistant to insects, and instead ask farmers to spray mm-hmm. insecticide, or worse yet, just no insecticide, just watch the crop being decimated. Yeah. That's not that's not the application of sound science. And and now in the middle of this COVID epidemic that we're in, uh, we have uh, Pfizer and Moderna mm-hmm. both coming up with vaccines right now. Well, Damien, we're where did the technology come from for the vaccines? Yeah. It's the same yeah, technology. That we use in food production. So, yes, the, I pointed that out on social media one month ago. I said, so are all the people that um, uh, rail and protest against genetically engineered food crops going to be jumping the line to get their coronavirus vaccines? And, of course, that's exactly what we're seeing. We're going to get more into hypocrisy than we're going to talk about handheld technology in the future, but we're going to take a little break right now, Mr. Syke, because as you know, somebody's got to pay the bills around here, and my bills are paid by my buddy uh, Nick Horeb, who founded Harvest Profit, a software solution that you can use to make your agricultural enterprise more profitable. Check out harvestprofit.com to see if it's a fit for you, and you can get a free 14-day trial. We also... You know, Rob and I, we like to have beers together when we get done working. But right now, I'm going to drink another one of my favorite beverages, and that is milk. Actually, chocolate milk is my all-time favorite. But here's a glass of vitamin D whole milk, which is very rich in vitamin D and vitamin A, potassium, calcium, and other things like protein. During a pandemic, I just read the article, 80% of the COVID patients have one thing in common. They have a vitamin Vitamin D D deficiency. deficiency. So we're here in Arizona where you can get some sun in a lot of the world, it's really cloudy and gray right now, and you're wearing all these clothing, all these uh, jackets because it's freezing. can't get vitamin D. Where can you get it? Milk. There you go. Have a toast. Get your vitamin D. Stay healthy. All right. Back to hypocrisy. Go. Well, I just find it uh, unusual that, you know, we got all sorts of press coverage of President-elect Biden getting his vaccine shot, and all of people are cheering, yay, Biden, get that vaccine shot. Uh-huh. And at the same time, if you talk about the utilization of biotechnology to grow organs in pigs that can be used for transplants in human beings to reduce uh, rejection of hearts and etc in human beings that's evil mm-hmm. i it, it just doesn't wash with me how you can applaud a technology and and champion it in one area uh aka vaccines and yet absolutely slaughter that same technology for use in agriculture it just it baffles my brain. Growing up Catholic uh, in the 80s, there became this whole term. By the 90s, it was sort of a little fun term that people used. They called it cafeteria Catholicism. Well, I like this part of the rules. In fact, I adhere to those. And if you don't, you're evil. But I don't adhere to these rules. Well, it's that way now with the science, too. Sure. Remember, we're at a time right now in coronavirus, Rob, that 
I hear people, I see them on social media, and they talk about how they're not going anywhere because they're just so terrified. And all of us that are out here saying we should open the economy are evil. And then you see them at uh, Home Depot, and then they've got posts that run around, you know, going to dinner. I'm like, wait a minute, I thought you weren't going anywhere. Well, we're hard. It's like, no, you're full of shit. You're lying. (laughs) You're you're hypocritical. You're trying to pretend that you're somehow so concerned about humanity you wouldn't even go out in public. But then you're really not doing that stuff. So we have that issue. But I got to tell you, I think the genetic engineering and GMO resistance is waning. I yeah, That's mostly yep. based on research and a little bit anecdotal. I never was around a lot of anti-GMO people because I'm an ag guy. But I think there is an attention span issue. 2014, I'd say, was when it hit its fever pitch. It was at its zenith, somewhere between 2013 and 2020. 15 was about the zenith of anti gmo <laughs> And now... Uh, yeah, well, Chipotle was right on that bandwagon, uh-huh, man. Uh-huh. Now, you notice how they don't talk about anti-GMO anymore? Yeah. No, it's... it's it, well, it, because it, they're using it all over in their stores. Sure, because now, they're okay. using it, yeah. and they always were. And there's the other part of it that every little every little fad has its phase. And um, the... Marketing. And, and also, the, we all know that the... The consumer can only stay with something so long. You know, the consumer was anti-red meat for in the 80s because they were told that we were going to die. So we went anti-red meat. And by the 90s, the economy was roaring. Cigar houses and martini places and steak places were opening up everywhere. So the GMO thing isn't quite going to be like that, but it's certainly the reluctance or the resistance or the vehement uh, anger. I see the hypocrisy on the COVID thing. I see it on the application of science. Where else do we see it? Well, I, I think we, we're seeing it uh, in the vilification of modern agriculture in the United States. You know, it's real easy for you to champion uh, growing an organic garden. Yeah. You say, I'm going to grow an organic garden in a city or in your rural uh, area. I'm going to grow an organic garden. That's fine. Grow that garden, and you'll soon appreciate why fungicides are so important. But when that garden fails because you forgot to turn on uh, the irrigation for a couple of weeks while you went to the lake and the garden all fried and you came back and everything was done, you had a backup plan. Yeah, that backup plan Kroger. was Costco. <laughs> Kroger. Kroger. Yeah, right. You yes. had a backup plan. Yeah. So we have all these people that are vilifying uh, um, North American agriculture. They're vilified. They vilify North American agriculture, Brazilian agriculture, Argentinian agriculture, Canadian Australian agriculture. Canadian yeah. agriculture, yeah. and and yet and they they're, they expose that their philosophy of agroecology mm-hmm. or natural farming or nature farming or whatever is the way to go. But if it fails, mm-hmm. they got the backup plan, and the backup plan is us. Yep. Always has been. Yeah, neighbor neighbor lady uh, growing up, uh, neighbor lady that uh, we had, they were fundamentalist Christians of some sort of uh, sect back in the in the day, and they had a. Uh, a, a little baby that they didn't take to the hospital uh, and he died and uh, you know it was very preventable and it's very sad and and then I remember they uh, were sentenced to jail and then uh, about three days in jail they said you know we'll, we'll take our kids to the doctor if that's the only agreement and by God they, they they found a new religion when they were behind bars and it's kind of an interesting deal when people are pushed into extreme circumstances um, or painful circumstances the religion changes I saw this when I went to the grocery store in April when people started getting panicked about food in March and April here in the United States after the coronavirus. I've been telling my audience as an ag, hey, those commodity 
processed foods, those are not in vogue anymore. Cocoa Puffs and uh, and uh, Triscuits and Campbell's Soup, uh, unfortunately, that's, that's the stuff I grew up with, but it's not going to be there because the consumer wants this. But by God, when the consumer got scared, <laughs> they, they, they changed their changed their religion changed overnight didn't it yeah yeah no question about it so again the back the the backstop for food security is is modern agriculture and and you know agriculture uh really rose to the covid situation i mean we had some situations where there was some short-term uh uh pinch points in the uh yeah. in the distribution system but by and large you got to give uh, all of the agricultural cre- uh, sector credit and i mean everybody I, I mean the grocery stores i mean the pr- the distribution centers i mean uh the production centers and the farmers I, I i give everybody high credit because really as this thing got as this thing progressed um we we didn't suffer that much of a decline in abundance. We bent, we didn't break, yeah. and when you say, uh, I know the average suburbanite is going to say, boy, why do we manage for overproduction like this? We've got these surpluses. Well, that's why we understand yeah. that during yeah. a thing like uh, coronavirus, which the government then decides to shut everything down, and then it just changed everything overnight, including people's religion, because I saw all kinds of uh, boxed cereal and canned food going out the shelves. You couldn't find it, and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this was all the stuff that wasn't in vogue anymore more because it's processed oh wait you want something that's got shelf life okay while you're getting ready to tell me about the next thing because you and i both like talking about the future uh we both know that and we both put in our books uh references to the good old days uh in his book food 5.0 he says about the good old days and he talks about uh, an old massey ferguson or massey harris tractor and i talk about the ford 3000 mine was actually a field marshal i oh, talk about okay <laughs> so i knew it's one of those old names and i i gotta say that um I'm all about technology because I don't think the good old days were always all that good. And I reference that in my book, Food Fear. You reference that in your book, Food 5.0, about the scarcity, uh, the the hard, hard lives that were lived out on the farms and uh, various things like that. You've got a big picture for the vision. And one of those is your new company called AgVisor Pro, where it's what you think is the future of shortening time and distance, of bringing information and people yep. together instantaneously and resolving a problem quickly. You're going to get ready to tell us all about Advisor Pro, but big picture, because it's not just a commercial, where you see that kind of technology coming to food production and even to the consumer. And then I'm going to remind everybody that I'm drinking a little swig of milk, not because I like it, not because it's healthy, but because also I want you to know that the Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for Milk is a, a wonderful group of dairy producers, and they would like you to drink milk as well. Go ahead. Well, milk is healthy and it's good. And tasty. Yeah, I like to it, too. The, the technology, handheld technology. Where- well, so, uh, yeah. So I began to work on AgVisor Pro in late 2018, far before COVID was. And what I did was I uh, put together a PowerPoint slide, which was a mashup of eHarmony together with FaceTime, together with Twitter, together with Uber. And so I put all those things together, and I showed that to farmers. And I said, if there was a way to take my silver hair and stretch it out so that I could be in the field with you without having to be in the field with you, would you find that that would be useful? And the farmers told me, yeah, so much so that some farmers invested in AgVisor Pro. So they saw the vision there that that worked on. So we, we did that all the way through 2019. And then in uh, March of, uh, of uh, 2020, COVID hit. Well, we were ready for, uh, we weren't ready for COVID, Mm -hmm. but we were ready for this change that Mm -hmm. happened. So in a matter of months, we all got accustomed to doing Zoom meetings. 
in a matter of months. Yeah. This technology of of a Zoom uh, video conferencing, well, uh, GoToMeeting and, and WebEx have been around forever, and nobody used nobody them. used them. Nobody yeah. used them, but all of a sudden, everybody's working from home. And we all had to learn how to work in a more Zoomified environment. And you know what? After a couple months, we got pretty used to it. In fact, a term I use is Zoom ass because I start my morning and I'm sitting on Zoom for most of the day. And so that's now another problem that we're dealing with. But it shows that there was a new way of doing business. And by gall, it works pretty good. Now, I would say, Damien, that it's 85 or 90% as good as being in physical contact with somebody. But for technical issues, for technical issues, like getting a veterinarian in the barn without being in the barn, getting a greenhouse specialist or an indoor farming specialist in the greenhouse without having to be in the greenhouse, getting an agronomist or an entomologist in the field without having to be in the field, getting uh, an opportunity to scout your uh, scout a piece of equipment at an auction sale without having to go to the auction yard. Yeah. This is what AgVisor Pro is all about. Yeah, well, we were doing certain aspects of this, and what I think that you're talking about, and, and whether it's, I mean, certainly there's going to be other applications besides AgVisor Pro, but all right, we went to a thing called Tractor House. I remember in the old days, you wanted to buy a tractor, you had to scour the newspaper ads, classifieds, whatever, the, the industry press, and then go to some auctions and whatever, and then Tractor House became this thing, and then you started seeing these deals and online auctions and right. all this kind of thing, and um, it was kind of coming. But between coronavirus sort of uh, speeding it up, but also guys like you saying, hey, here's the future. But it's not just – it's not a buying forum. It's not um, It's not Zillow where you just look at pretty pictures with ads, and it's not a buying forum. Yours is something different. It's a way to communicate expertise and right. information. It's, it's really – AgVisor Pro is taking advantage of the technology that's in your hand. So uh, a farmer can download AgVisor Pro for free yep. and set up a rudimentary profile, and he can go and put in a question, soybeans, and he'll see that there's 54 experts. Some are free. If they're industry experts, that connection is free. If it's an independent expert with deep domain knowledge, well, it might be some money. Right, and so, so like a crop consultant who is a, right. is a soybean, uh, has a PhD in soybeans. Exactly. Uh, pathology or something like right. this then they say okay yeah i can work with you but it's gonna be 40 bucks or 50 bucks. what's it gonna yeah. be what's it gonna cost well 35 uh 30 uh, 45 or 60 dollars for a session i see and you say i want to connect and there's no phone calls there's no phone call you hit a button to connect and you're instantaneously audio connected to that expert there's yep. a video connection so you can show the expert what you're seeing yep. there's the opportunity to share high resolution pictures or chat and damien the whole session is archived so you can go backwards and and after and you watch say, it again yeah you say what did he he talked really fast yeah, and what so, did he say yeah, he talked about the blossom head and he yeah. talked about uh you know pod placement and there's a problem based on this and so you can go and listen to the technology part of it again all right so here's what i'm saying whether it's not just about agvisor pro it's about the fact that you're seeing well, first off we you know, it was the internet and then it was yeah. online auctions and and uh specialized places that was like here's where you go to see this but now yours is a channel. Yours is the idea that it's more than that. It's sort of Uber meets um, uh, eHarmony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah eHarmony. But it also is it's the information part of it. Well, what's happening? No, nobody goes to Uber to get information. Right. They go to Uber to get somewhere. Right. So, so what we've done with our with uh, with the industry side, like we just brought on. 
Farm Credit Corporation. We just brought on MNP, Canada's largest uh, farm accounting firm. Yeah. We just brought on. Um, okay. So what are they going? They're going to put up. They'll be available. They'll they'll have an expert at this Farm Credit. Their top experts are being listed on Agvisor Pro. So you want to talk succession planning or taxation strategies? Yeah. You can have an initial meeting with these guys, find out what they're able to do, and then you can do business. So our business as Agvisor Pro is really creating that humanistic connectivity, mm-hmm. and we've got international attention. We've got attention from the United States. We've got uh, attention from the UK, the EU, New Zealand, Brazil. So it's very cool what we're working on. I I agree. Where does this sort of con- where does this go? Where this goes is when you look at the real big picture, not necessarily North American agriculture, but you look at the millions, if not billions of farmers, small landholders around the world, what's their biggest pinch point? Well, I would argue their biggest pinch point is the right advice from the right person at the right time to get answers now mm-hmm. when they're in the growing season. Mm-hmm. Well, Agvisor Pro shrinks time and space, like you said, and puts that expert in their hand to see what they're seeing in the field. It's amazing. Yeah, so the small stake landholder in a developing country that uh, is still working in a very rudimentary uh, with tool, you know, the bare be- bare bones tools, etc. That person then gets information. Now, can that person afford uh, a service like this, or does it end up getting to where that's part of some sort of a grant or something like this? Well, there's uh, uh, as we go around the world, Agvisor Pro today is capable of transacting in local denominations. So. Um, if you're in um, in Brazil, it'll be Brazil Real. If you're in South Africa, South African Rand. And so there's a couple things. Number one is geotagging, geocoding, geofencing. So we know where the farmer is. We can connect him to the local advisor. That that advice may not be $30. That advice might be $0.30 cents in that yeah. country. So we can scale that. And by connecting people. I was talking to somebody from the EU the other day. There's almond growers in Spain. Uh, they connect with the experts in California, but the uh, the growing conditions of California are completely different than Spain. There's almond experts in Spain. They just they just don't know that they exist. So uh-huh. that's what we're going to work on. Yeah, is bringing bringing the bringing the people together because uh, it's it's a it's expedience is what you're talking about. Yeah, and that's all going to be. You know, there's already stuff that. Um, I can take a picture of something and then, you know, uh, send that. Well, that's Zarvio, for example. So you take Zarvio scouting program, take a picture. The weed is identified in the Zarvio scouting app, embedding AgVisor Pro inside that scouting app, like an uh, an integration. So you say, well, now I got this weed. How do I control it? You hit a button and instantaneously you're talking to a weed expert. How cool is that? Yeah. That's something through you or through this other place? That's through us both working together. That's 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 through us working. Yeah, I together. like that. I got and, this. And, and grain expert. Like right now, farmers are having to make the grain market's kind of pretty crazy right now. It's uh-huh. moving around, right? Uh-huh. So you could talk with Agvisor Pro um, in a very short order of time. You could talk to three independent grain guys and get three points of view about which way the grain market's going to make a better decision. Farmers are making bets on 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 you know on on contracts right now. Those are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars yeah. of bets on a contract. Yeah. Don't you think having a little bit of independent information would be a good idea? I do. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would uh, feel comfortable doing it that way. But then again, uh, sometimes they just do this decision with no with no uh, input from anybody. Well. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable in getting independent market information? Why wouldn't that give you a greater ah, sense? So there you go. So instead of somebody has a vested interest in it, 
This is independent. This is not somebody buying your grain or putting a contract in front of you. You can go to independent grain marketers, independent people who do this, grain analysts, and talk to them and get educated information of what's going on before you sign that that contract from the elevator company. Making sense to me. I think this sort of same concept, you know, we talk about democratization um, and and all that kind of stuff that puts a lot of information in somebody's hands. Um, I think maybe that's where this technology goes. And I don't know if it's just yours. There's going to be a lot of other places sure like be, that yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine being able to, like I talked to an equipment person the other day, and they said, you know, Rob, it's really hard for me to help a farmer when the description is there's a blue doomahickey on the north side of the sprayer. Yeah. Uh, and with AgVisor Pro, again, you can show, you can show the technician yeah. that might be back at the dealership exactly what you're looking at. And then next year when you're spraying, you go back again to say, well, what did I do last year? And yeah. it's there for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can actually, it's, it's like I said, it's, it's a person that's there with you. It's it's online consultation. It's all that stuff. All right, we said we were going to talk about the future. We just talked about the future. We talked about hypocrisy. We talked about, you know, United Nations. We talked about all the problems there. We got the, the demonization and the hypocrisy and the future. What last topic do you got for me? Last story, last subject, last statement, last lesson. Here we are at the end of the Business of Agriculture podcast. Well, I want to close this off on a real positive note. You know, um, I, I run a, a group, a peer group for farmers called Power Farm Group. There's 20 of them in Western Canada, 302,000 acres. Uh, these guys are movers and shakers. We just had our virtual, for the first time ever, we had a virtual Zoom yep. Power Farm meeting. You know, it's, and it was pretty darn good. We still got to go into rooms and interact and everything, so it was good. But the overall tone, uh, the overall tone of the of those farmers was very positive. Um, we seem to be uh, coming into a time where there's some uh, there's some backbone to the commodity prices. Yeah. Uh, you know, the input prices haven't gone crazy. Um, people are realizing that if they have a job on a farm, it's probably a pretty good job. Yep. It's steady. Yep. They're and they're they're not isolated, but they're 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 protected. They're in a rural environment, so yep. they're not exposed to as much COVID nineteen. Yeah. You know, and so this is all a pretty positive message. And for the first time in maybe a decade or two, the consumer is starting to understand that farmers and agriculture are pretty important and you know the biggest difference damien that i see in the last little while is people are starting to realize that you know the farm farmers farm for nobility they farm to grow food mm. but when when every day you get vilified for what you're doing it hurts it hurts yeah. the soul um, but it was kind of nice to see people recognizing the importance of farmers. Yeah, that's good. It's a, I, I've sensed that there's some positive uh, vibe among agriculture also, and there should be. You know, uh, the commodity prices are up and, and things are looking pretty good, and not to mention the government in this country has been throwing a bunch of money at them. So anyway, I think that things are all right also. His name's Rob Syke. If they His want, name's Damian Mason. That's right. If they want to find me, you already did. It's at DamianMason.com. And if they want to find you, where do they find you? They go Rob Syke, S-A-I-K, or AgVisorPro.com. Got it. Until next time, it's the Business of Agriculture brought to you by my friends at Harvest Profit. Go to HarvestProfit.com and see if that software will do what you need it to do so your software works as hard as you do for your operation. And thanks also to my friends with the Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for Milk. Until next time, it's the Business of Agriculture. Business of Agriculture. The Business of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by the Georgia Agricultural Commodity Commission for Milk, who reminds us that some things were just meant to be together, like milk and cookies. 
If you've enjoyed this episode of the Business of Agriculture, please share it with your network. Be sure to connect with Damien on LinkedIn, like his Facebook fan page, and follow him on Instagram and Twitter. For speaking inquiries or to purchase Damien's books, Food Fear, or Do Business Better, go to DamienMason.com.